Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. We're in a series called The Bible. Would you say it with me? The Bible. Come on, one more time. The Bible. And it's a series where we're looking at the Bible. And, and I want to let you know today, if you are here and maybe you're not sure how, uh, whether you believe in God, let alone what the Bible says about God, or maybe you're on the other spectrum where you're someone who has grown up in church, you're spiritually mature, you love God with your whole heart and you love the Bible, I want to say that this is a message series for every person in between, wherever you might be, for someone to learn and know about God and to encounter His Bible. Um, last week we kicked off the series, and how many people enjoyed that? <laughs> Five people. <laughs> that was a great message. Uh, you can go online and download the podcast. This week we uploaded our 600th podcast online. That's over 12 years of sermons that you can listen to nonstop. And uh, there's some great messages there. <laughs> You're going to come to church and like, oh, bro, that message you preached eight years ago is amazing. Uh, but yeah, we preached those messages. But our main thought from last week was this, if you weren't here uh, to hear that message. Our main thought was you will encounter God through the Bible consistently over time. If you would read your scriptures, read the Bible, you will encounter God, not just over a short amount of time, but over a length of time, and you will, you will meet with Him. See, reading the Bible isn't about getting information, it's about encountering God. And so to help us do that, last week we embarked on a reading plan together as the church a four-week reading, uh, reading plan, and uh, the, uh, the link is up there on the screen. How many people joined us and read their Bible? Okay, awesome. That is fantastic. That is so great. And so we were looking at the Old Testament. This week, we were in Genesis and Exodus. We read about creation. We read about the fall, uh, the Ten Commandments. And we went into Isaiah, spent some time there uh, talking about wonderful counsel of mighty God and those types of things. I want to encourage you, would you join us together as a community over these next three weeks to read the scriptures? This week, we're going to the New Testament and we are going to be reading the Gospels. So, so powerful, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And uh, that'll be so, so powerful. My prayer is that as we read the Bible and continue to read it, it's not just about reading the Bible during this message series. It's about continuing to read the Word of God, that we would encounter God and our lives would be changed in what? A powerful way. Come on, let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you today that your presence is here. Uh, we want to meet with you. We want to encounter you today through your Word, Lord God. So I thank you, Jesus. You bless our time together. Bless all the people here. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said... Amen. Hey, um, I've been bringing along some of my Bibles last week. I brought my New King James Version, which I got back in 1930, according to some of the young people in this church, uh, 1993. This week, I've brought my The One Year Bible. This is a great Bible to be reading your scriptures every day if you're doing readings of your Bible every day. See, it's a bit different than a normal Bible. A normal Bible is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and all that kind of stuff. This Bible instead starts at January 1, and at the end of the Bible, it's December 31st. And so what you do is to read your Bible, you open it up at the date that the day is, and then you read uh, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, 
Psalms and Proverbs. It's a great way to read your Bible. This is the way that I read my Bible. I read it using this, and then I get my other Bibles out as well. Because when I read, what I do as well, that I said last week, I have my pens. I underline, I put down a note in my mobile phone of scriptures that speak to me. Like, we don't want to just be reading it. We want to be, uh, like, uh, eating it, like, like meditating on it. And so we get it into us that way. So that's a great way to read your Bible. Uh, growing up, there was another book that I used to like to read as well. In fact, it was less of a book and more of a, a comic book series. And it was The Adventures of Tintin. And I think we got some of the, yeah, there we go. We got some of the books there. Has anyone read the Tintin books? A few people, yes. The rest of you, you missed out on life. You, you, you can go and read those books, uh, not right now, but later on. Some great books there about Tintin. And Tintin, for you, those of you who don't know, he was a young Belgium, uh, Belgian uh, reporter and adventurer. And he had a dog called Snowy, uh, his faithful little dog. And there were other characters that were introduced uh, as you read the comic books. And there was a guy called Captain Haddock. He was an old sea captain. There was another person called Professor Calculus. He was a professor of, guess what, maths. You know, it's in his name. There was the, the uh, uh, detectives, the incompetent detectives, Thompson and Thompson. Uh, and so it was a great comic book series. I'm surprised more of you haven't read it. Like, I'm, re- I'm, I'm, I'm like, anyway, it's all good. It's all good. So I read that one there. And the reason I love these comics is because it was about adventure it was about mystery. There was always a mystery to solve. It was about different, strange people and going to foreign lands. And, and every young boy grows up wanting adventure and mystery and to go to foreign places. And so I used to love reading uh, those comics. Well, in recent years, there's been some controversies come up about Tintoon and some of the earlier comics uh, back in the 1920s. Um, just some of the things, racial stereotypes and prejudices and, and all those different types of things, which we would agree is not a good thing. Uh, I think we'd all agree. Well, Tintin has some controversies about it, but there's another book that has had many controversies. In fact, it's probably one of the most controversial books ever written. Do you know what it is today, church? It's the Bible. You know, the Bible has been uh, uh, looked at, it's been criticized, misquoted, misunderstood, it's been mocked, it's been attacked more than any other book in the world. Can you believe that? Turn to the person next to you today and say, can you believe that? The Bible has been mocked and still, the Bible is still standing today. It is still here. It's still being printed. It's still changing lives. People are still encountering God through reading the Bible. It's the most read Bible in all of history. In fact, in the last 50 years, the Bible is the number one sold book in the world. I think we've got an infographic here that we can show you. So the Bible is the number one book that's been sold 3.9 billion copies. In fact, if you add up books 2 through to 10, aggregate the number, times it by 3, you would then get to how many Bibles have been sold. So the Bible is the most read book in history. It's the most famous book ever read. It's the most important book ever written. How many people here today? I'm just going to do a quick uh, uh, poll here today. How many people here like being told what to do? <laughs> no one, yes. How, hands up. Uh, how many hands up? Wise, if you like it when your husband comes in, and sorry, I'm going to stereotype here, but comes into the kitchen and tries to tell you how to cook that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, beef stroganoff. How many wives like that? 
No. Man, how many husbands enjoy it when you're out mowing the lawn? Come on, man, I hope you mow the lawn. Come on, that's a man's job. You're out there mowing the lawn and your wife goes, oh, you missed that little spot there. Like, I think you need to get the snippers, the, 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 the scissors out and cut those little tufts of grass in between the brick fence. That's the kind of encouragement I get from my wife. How many like that? Kids, if there's any young people here today, how many of you like it when your parents tell you what to do? Come on, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. They're on your case, telling you, right, uh, employees, when the boss comes along, if you own your own business, you know, the government telling you what to do. How many people like it? We don't like it, do we? Like, have you ever heard the saying or, or, or the phrase, don't tell me what to do? Have you ever said that? Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Maybe a few of us have said that, you know. Why is that? It's because we have an issue with authority. And, you know, this is not a uniquely Australian thing. This is like something that is actually worldwide. We don't like authority. And, 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 and it's a characteristic that all of humanity has to disobey, to push back against, to rebel against authority. Uh, when our children were born, we noticed something very unusual um, to us. And our oldest child, Joelle, uh, our daughter, she was born. And we noticed that we discovered that one of the first words that she learned to say was, no. And we were shocked. We were so uh, distraught about this. And so we decided when we have our next child, we're going to work a little bit harder on this. And so when Ethan came, our oldest son uh, came along, we, we put a lot of effort into telling him when he was young, just born, hey, listen, you've got to listen to mum and dad. You've got to do the right things. Be a good boy. And, and one of the first words he ever said was, no. And like now we were really upset. I had to go get counselling. Uh, we, had to, we had to go to the pastors and get prayed for. Like, there's something wrong in our house. We were, we were really, you know, struggling. And then our third child came along, uh, blessing. And we're a little bit older, and, and he's uh, Roman. And so we were like, okay, this, this, this time, this child, we're going to get it right. Before he was born, we got onto Spotify. And you probably haven't heard of these songs. They're legit songs, trust me. We got onto the songs, Be a Good Boy. We found the song, you know, everyone likes nice boys. There was another one that's like, just say no, because yes is better. These are the great hits of, of, you can go and look them up today on Spotify if you want. And we thought, this is it. This time is going to be different. Well, when he was born and, and started to learn to speak, the one of the first words he said was, no. And now we're like, oh my goodness, it was like, it was like putting on the sackcloth and chucking the ashes on our heads and all fasting for months and months and all these types of things, right? And, and you know, it's a pretty ridiculous story, right? Like, it's a pretty funny story, but I tell you what, have a child and you'll realize rebellion is not a learnt characteristic, it's an innate part of human character. It's an innate part of human nature. You don't learn it. It's just there with inside of us. So we don't like authority as kids, no. And we also don't like authority as adults. So when we come across a book that speaks to us, that tells us what to do, when we come across a book that tells us the wrong things that we are doing in our life. When we come across a book that speaks with authority, that uses words like commandment, that uses words like obey and obedience, we don't like it in our human nature. 
and we push back against it because why? Because the Bible speaks from authority and we don't like authority so much. Uh, in the New York Times, an opinion piece, a, a person called David Brooks, he wrote this. He goes, I don't know if America has a leadership problem. It certainly has a fellowship problem. Vast majority of Americans don't trust their institutions. Uh, their institutions. That's not mostly because of our institutions perform worse than they did in 1925 or 1955 when they were widely trusted. It's mostly because people are cynical and like to pretend that they are better than everything else around them. Vanity has more to do with rising distrust than anything else. I was in the New York Times. And we might read that and say, oh, that's an, a unique American experience. But it's not. That is not unique to America. We see that here in Australia, the distrust of our institutions. We see that in Europe or the Americas or the Middle East, the distrust of governments. We see it happening that way. And the distrust that people might feel towards the Bible, that people might feel towards the church, that people might feel towards the, the things of God comes from this growing distrust that humanity, that society has about authority. Have a think about some authority figures in your life right now, maybe parents or a, a, a boss or maybe a, a pastor or something along those lines and uh, um, uh, the government, a teacher or something along those lines. Any one of those authority figures may have done something to you or you may have had an experience with them that has caused you to distrust, that has caused you to have this feeling of uh, you know, anti-authority against those people and added to your distrust. And yet... And yet, please get this if you're taking notes today, please write this. A good authority will make us do things we don't want to do because they want us to grow. A good authority will make us do things we don't want us to do because they want us to grow. And so I understand that maybe your dad, maybe that teacher, uh, maybe some pastor, I mean, not at Elevation Church, but, you know, down the street, someone did something, they did you wrong. Uh, but the authority that God intended, sorry, authority the way God intended it was to make you grow, was to, was to sharpen you was to see growth and maturity happen in your life. Every good parent makes their kids do things they don't want to do because they want their child to grow and to be better. Growing up, my dad, uh, he used to often get me to do things that I didn't want to do. And one of his favorite sayings, and if you've been in this church any period of time, you may know the saying before I even say it, but he used to say to me, Sometimes in life, you got to do what you don't want to do. And I hated that because he always used to bring it up at the time when I didn't want to do it, but I knew that I had to do it. But I am so thankful for a father that said, hey, sometimes I have to ask my son to do something that may not be popular according to the world, but I believe and I know it's going to make him better. And I am a better person today because of the encouragement, because of sometimes the challenging that my dad had in my life to do something I didn't want to do. And so you know what I do now as, my, as a parent myself? I tell my kids, sometimes in life, you've got to do what you don't want to do. And I know that they hate it, but I know and I hope that they know it's because I love them. I want to be a good parent and I want to see them to grow and to mature and to become better. Church, this is what the Bible does. 
See, the Bible is not God's way to introduce us to an archaic book. It's, the Bible is not God's means to confuse us. The Bible is not God's means to give us a boring reading assignment. No, the Bible is the voice of God. The Bible is the voice of God. And through the Bible, God speaks to his children to help us. Hear me today, church, to help us. God speaks through his Bible today to help us to, to realize, to speak to his children, that they might have the life that his authority wants us to have. If you've got your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to 2 Timothy 3.16. says this, uh, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What does the Bible do? The Bible teaches us. It teaches us about God. You read the scriptures and you encounter the God of the Bible and you find out and you're taught about God. Then what might happen is perhaps like most of us are like the rest of us. Another saying my dad used to have. Sometimes we might go astray. We might start to take a detour. We might start to say, hey, you know what? I want to do this thing my own way, not the way that God says. What does the scripture says? The Bible reproofs us. Reproofs us. Admonishes us. Rebukes us. Convicts us. Challenges us. So that we might be, you know, made pure, made right how God wants us to be. And then in the reproofing, the Bible corrects our paths. So it's teaching us, it's reproofing us as we lose track, it then is correcting us back into the direction that God wants us to do. And then all through this, the whole time, the Bible is training us in God's ways. The reason God does it like this is because he wants us to know him, to get to him, to encounter him. It's the whole purpose of the Bible, to know Jesus and to encounter God. All scripture was breathed out by God. God breathed out Scripture to those uh, 40 men uh, and people that wrote the Scriptures, those human writers in their different geographical regions in the different time periods. Last week we talked about how the Bible was written over a span of 1,500 years, the different time span that it was written in, and through their different life situations, the 66 books of the Bible give God's priceless and timeless truth and this is a collection of knowledge and truth for us. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? This collection of truth that God breathed out for us. This book that he has given us. Why did he give us this book? Because as a parent, he wants to impart into us truth that at sometimes we may not like. We may not want to hear, but he wants to impart into us. And if he didn't do that, he would not be a great parent. Scripture talks about God being a father. See, every great parent who loves their child imparts wisdom into the life of that child so they can become all that they can be, so they can be greater than they are, so that God can destine them to where they be, want to be. And this is the purpose of the Bible, to be clear on what God's character is. This is the purpose on the Bible, to know him, to reveal him, to guide us into relationship with God him come on why don't you turn to someone right now and say hey i love the bible love the bible this is the reason the bible is the number one book of all time 
Because the Bible changes lives. Because in the Bible, you encounter someone greater than yourself. In the Bible, you encounter life change, and it's still changing lives, still helping people understand God, and still bringing people to salvation because the book is about, the Bible is about encountering God. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Sometimes our problem with the Bible is that it pierces through to the heart. Sometimes our issue with the Bible is that it, it, it goes past all the objections. It goes past the walls that we try to raise up and it goes straight into the recesses of our heart and reveals things about ourselves that we would rather not have revealed. It does that to us. It reveals areas of our lives and it speaks into things that we're doing or not doing. And we don't want to hear about those things. See, the Bible has a lot to say about things that we would rather not have to hear about. I mean, this is real church today, church. Like, we're not pretending fake Christians today. Like, it's real. Often the Bible speaks to us and we're like, no, I don't want to do that. But sometimes in life, you've got to do what you don't want to do. See, one of the things that my kids hate to hear and would rather not hear are the words, tidy up your bedroom. Any parents have that issue? Tidy up your bedroom. And so, you know, I think one of the biggest arguments that we might have in the house is, is my wife Gabby and my daughter Joelle talking about the, her bedroom, Joelle's bedroom, not, not Gabby's bedroom. You're like, Joelle's like, Mum, you need to tie up your bedroom. Tie it up, Mum. No, it's the other way around. And so Gabby's like, tie up your bedroom, Joelle. And Joelle's like, my bedroom is tidy, you know. I've only got like eight sets of clothes on the floor, you know, not 20. And uh, so Gab's like, no, it's not tidy. It's a mess. Come on, can we give my daughter Joelle a clap? It's a mess. And, and, and let church, for many of us, our lives are a mess. For many of us, our lives are dysfunctional. For many of us, we find our place in a place where God is saying, hey, there's a mess in your life. And we're saying, no, I like the mess. I want the mess. I don't want to be challenged about this area. See, there's disorder and attitudes. There's behaviors. There's thoughts. And we'd rather not have the Bible speak into or address the mess that we're carrying and happy to live in. Today, some of us are living in the mess of unforgiveness. Scriptures say in Colossians 3.13, it's not going to be on the screen, but it says this, it tells us to forgive as God forgave us. But we don't want to hear that. We like the mess of our unforgiveness. Some of us are in the mess of pornography today. 1 John 2.16 says that the last of the flesh and the last of the eyes comes not from God, but from the world. But we don't want to hear God's words speak to us in that. Because we want to stay in the mess of that pornography and lust. Some of us are in the place, the attitude of being stingy with our things, our time, our gifts, our talents, our finances. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says to sow generously. Lee talked about it today. But we don't want to hear the Bible say that. Because we want to stay in the mess, the, the attitudes, the behaviors of being stingy. The keys could come right now. See, the Bible would challenge our dysfunction. 
The Bible will call out our mess. It will convict us. Why? Why, why God, did you give us this Bible to challenge us, convict us, to, 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 to call out our mess? Because God wants to deal with us and all of our issues and all the things that we're going through and all of our stuff and our mess. He wants us to be clean. He wants us to be free. And today, if you're here in this place so far, you're like, oh, okay, so, oh, man, I'm doing all these bad things. I've got all these things, these areas of my life that I need to change. I want to encourage you right now. The Bible doesn't leave us there. The Bible lifts us up. James 1, 22. Yeah, come on, give God some praise. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. Sounds like some of our young people today when they stare at themselves in the mirror. (laughs) No one's laughing. We've all done it. Forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty. And perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. James says, don't just hear the word, do the word. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer as well. See, see, we can be good at talking, but how good are we at the actual doing? See, it's easy for me to say that I love my wife But it's actually harder for me to love her when she's, you know, maybe encouraging me, calling me out about some of the areas where I need to grow up or or contribute more or, 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 you know, whatever it might be. See, you can tell someone that you'll be there for them, but it's not the same as actually being there for them in their time of need. You get the phone call late at night, you see the name, you're like, oh, I'm too tired. You just hang up. Come on, are you going to be a hearer or a doer? So you could talk a good game, but the proof is in the pudding. The things of the Bible are not just for us to talk about, they're for us to do. And here's the amazing thing about the authority of God. Here's the amazing thing as we read the Scriptures. And maybe, and maybe God does reproof us, and maybe God does challenge us and convict us. Here's the amazing thing. In the doing of what it says, James tells us, and remember all Scripture is breathed out by God, so it's God speaking through James. James says to us that we will find liberty in our lives. Church, that's good news. The Bible says that when you follow what it says, you will find liberty. See, maybe you think the Bible is all about rules and regulations and commandments. If that's what you think, you're not getting it. See, maybe today you think it's about oppressing our lives. That's definitely what it's not about. Maybe today you're here and you're like, oh, the Bible is just going to be a killjoy of all the fun things that I want to do in my life. You're missing the point. The Bible is about liberty. It's about freedom in our lives. See, if we follow what God says, we will be free from those things that are oppressing us, those things that are binding us, those things that are keeping us down. In the Bible, you will find God's liberty, freedom, and forgiveness. And in doing what it says, you will be liberated, freed, and you will find forgiveness. And there's people here today that God wants to liberate you. 
He wants to liberate you. He wants to liberate you from unforgiveness, from pornography, from stinginess, from whatever else you are facing in your life, from anger, from whatever it might be, from anything that it is. God wants to free you and to liberate you today. And maybe we don't like being told what to do, but God's Word, the Bible, was given to us so that we would know what to do. Have you ever said to yourself, I wish there was just some outline or some guide from God so I would know what to do in life? Guess what? There is. It's called the Bible. I mean, it may not have the 10-point checklist of do this and your life will be amazing, but that's because you have got to get into the Bible and discover for yourself what God is saying to you. And you will realize that life is actually not about having the best life. Life is actually about encountering God. That is the best life. I mean, I want to speak against this mindset that thinks that God came to make your life better. He didn't. He came to you and encountered Jesus and know Him. I think some of you maybe don't, maybe some of you don't agree with that. God came so you would encounter Him. If He did nothing else for you, it was enough. Jesus dying for you. The amazing thing is, God promises in our life to give us every spiritual blessing. He does promise to be with us in this life. So it is amazing. He does it anyway. But the Bible's main point is to bring us to Jesus Christ. And we may not like authority, but God's authority is good for us. His Bible, it's good for us. It pierces the heart. It convicts us. It, it, it calls out our sin, but it doesn't leave us there. Thank you, God. You don't leave us there wallowing in our sin. You don't leave us there broken and confused. You don't leave us there, God. You know, uh, wondering what is the next steps. It doesn't leave us there with the guilt, the shame, the, ba- the, the pain. No, it tells us the way out. It reveals God's plan for us to encounter Him. Romans 10 verse 9, it says this, If you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's pray this morning. Lord God, we thank You for Your Bible. God, I pray today.